Welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we will explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. My name is Ben, and today, Elise will be having a conversation with Melissa Arstrom. Melissa Strom is an interdisciplinary artist based both out of the New York City metropolitan area as well as the Lehigh Valley. She earned her BFA in studio art and graphic and interactive design at Moravian University. She primarily worked with oil paint and found object assemblages. Her practices stem from themes including mental health, relationships, music, everyday life, and is often informed by a span of historic and current events. Recently, Patterns, lights, and text have become important aesthetics of her work, and she continues to explore different approaches to forming, altering, and handling these components. Melissa currently works at the Allentown Art Museum. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we get to hang out and chat about your artwork for a bit. Me too. It's the <laughs> living the dream. Living the dream, that's right. And you've like the coolest jumper coverall situation going on today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. My friend actually told me once that it she couldn't tell if I looked like a dirty paint rag from far away or <laughs> if it was like, you know, an intentional thing. And then she was like, I don't know if I should tell you you have dirt in your pants. And then I got closer. She was like, oh no, it's a vibe. It's supposed to be there. So I was a little self-conscious, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to just going to do my best. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> I have a couple pairs of coveralls and I I don't know where I was. One of the Oh, it was when I was babysitting or nannying or something like I wore it and the kids were like, "You look like a mechanic." And I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> Michael Myers. Like, you're, you're too little to know what a mechanic is." Like that's so funny though. <laughs> that but, really is uh I I was on the Jim Thorpe like train ride and this one kid mentioned the penitentiary and mm-hmm. he was he was young and I was like wow I'm very impressed that you know what a penitentiary is like <laughs> genuinely <laughs> the vocab the vocab very good I feel like you always have cool clothes like cool outfit situations thank going you on. I try to I try to just like follow my intuition you know like. If I want to just do something random, I just try to do something random. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Live in the moment. Do you, are you like a big thrifter or more, is there like somewhere you really like to shop? So this is, I guess, like ironic to now talking about fashion, but like <laughs> I, like, I don't know, in high school, I literally wore like the same jeans, like throughout all four years of high school. And I try to like avoid going clothes shopping just because like, I have so much like I genuinely have so much clothes and like way too many t-shirts but like that's the trap that I get like I've made it a rule only concert t-shirts now so concert t-shirts is a big one Mm. but I do like thrifting a lot kind of ironic but I like thrifting for art for my artwork a lot and Mm. getting different kinds of materials to go off of Um, and I love specifically thrifting like kind of like cool jackets and stuff like Mm -hmm. I just got one a couple months ago and it's like this like 80s style like pink and navy checkerboard like suit jacket sort of with just a little bit of shoulder padding that it's not like too (laughs) like crazy yeah (laughs) um don't know if I could pull that off but it's it's very fun and yeah I love the creativity behind thrifting yeah yeah I see I aspire to be the type of person that I always see on social media or TikTok or Instagram or whatever, people, they're like, here's my thrift haul. And they have like a thousand pieces of clothing from like the most, um, like the most amazing collection of like concert tees and vintage stuff. And I'm like, I I want that. I want to be that. And then I wear like the same Walmart jean jacket that I've worn for like years and years and years. But it is what it is. (laughs) No, it's a vibe. So like we have those favorite items too that are like, like, I'll, I've had my mom literally be like, these shoes have holes in them. Why do you still have them? And I'm like, especially if you have this brand new pair of shoes that you got, like, X whenever. And I'm like, but those didn't go through, like, that one concert where I got pushed down into the, you know, like, that's the moment. Like, I need that in my life. <laughs> and then, but then I had to get rid of them because I, uh, so I'm originally from this town called Hope, New Jersey, and there's a... There's a um, theme park there called Land of Make Believe, and it's literally was five minutes from my house. And I did the 
uh, I guess, rite of passage thing of working there. When, it's like my first summer job when I was mm-hmm. 14. And then they got like flooded over like with flood water because like certain areas would just flood when it rained. And I was like, can't keep them anymore. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> like they're just now swamp water. Very bad. <laughs> the the rite of passage job. I like it, that. It was a very uh, dystopian place if you ever are passing through like on a on a summer day don't spend money to go there i'm so sorry land and make believe people but it's not it's <laughs> this is an anti anti-advertising yeah like I, the land of make believe it's it, it's like weirdly a nostalgic place but it's also like i don't know it also feels like a little dark like when you you know how there's certain things when you like get older and you're like was that like such a child friendly thing i don't know like spongebob that, i'll put it like that it's like spongebob but we all love SpongeBob. <laughs> I, I'm like digging myself into a hole. <laughs> Listen, Hope's a great place, and and it's a very if you have little kids, it's a good it's a good summer activity. A good summer activity, and that's in in uh, Hope in Hope Hope, New Jersey. Yep, cool. And then that's where you grew up, right? Yep, that cool. is that is where I grew up. <laughs> very cool. How, when did you move from there to the Lehigh Valley area? I was literally in my very last semester, and I graduated winter of 20 December 2021 and so yeah it was the October before that so that would have been October 2021 um but you went to college in the area right yeah so um I graduated in December 2021 I graduated from Moravian uh university Mm -hmm. so when I first got to Moravian um it's actually funny because Shout out to Natessa Amin. She's um, a painting professor at Moravian, and she also teaches a few other classes beyond painting. Uh, she's a really amazing artist. And like when I first toured Moravian, I, I met her, and I met Jan. Um, Jan was basically... So her last name is one of those names that's kind of hard to pronounce. I believe <laughs> it might be Jan Siganek. But I could be saying that wrong. I'm very sorry, Jan. Uh, but she was really great. And she was like the arts administrator, um, sort of like handled a lot in the office, like it, mm-hmm. from an administration point of view. But she was also an art history professor. They were the first two people that I met. And then I toured Moravian and I was like, all right, cool. And then I ended up doing my semester at Pratt Institute, which is in Brooklyn, New York. But that was a that was amazing. And I really loved it. Um I did a semester there, then I, then I uh, wanted to explore tattoo apprenticeships, so I did that, and I came back to Lehigh Valley, I, I did that, and um, while I started that in Bethlehem, I then started at Moravian, and it's funny because then my painting class was with Natessa, who I, like, walked in, and I remembered her from literally that <laughs> moment, like, that's why I mentioned that. That's the only reason why I mentioned that story. But literally, like, I came in and I saw her and we were like, oh, my God, did we meet? And it was just, like, one of those, like, meant-to-be, like, feelings. Very kismet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the program that I decided to do was the the BFA in studio art. So basically what I decided to do was take the BFA studio art track because also I really, really wanted to get to have a studio space uh, when I was a senior um, at Moravian. If you're a uh, senior in a studio major, you get to have like a studio space for your last two semesters. And so like you get to do your thesis in there and take your studio seminar class in there. Um, and But I really also wanted to like stop hating Photoshop because <laughs> I kind of had like a very more hate than love-hate relationship with Photoshop. And I don't know, I'm very like hands on, not that like no digital stuff is like literally hands on, but you know, studio art, it's like tactile and I like to to do those things. So I basically was like, all right, I want to take digital classes and graphic design classes. Screw it. I guess I'm indecisive. I'm just going to take both. And I did the studio art track with the graphic and interactive design track. So like every semester I'd have to go in and I'd like go to my advisor, um, who is Angela Fraley, uh, amazing painter, painting professor and painter. She lives in Allentown. And um, yeah, so lost my train of thought. But basically, she was my advisor. And then I would go and talk to Camille Murphy, who is um, the awesome graphic design, graphic and interactive design. Uh, Now she's the chair, I believe, of the art department, I believe, at Moravian. And um, 
So like I would basically just on my own go and set up a meeting with her and be like, hey, can you just tell me if I'm doing anything wrong with this? And she'd be like, no, you're actually on the right track. And then I had made it to the end and was like, wow, I actually took like I was meeting with her and she's like checking them all off. And she's like, wow, you actually you did do everything. And I'm like, yay. So um, basically because I took that semester off, it got a little bit wonky and my uh, senior year like, obviously, you want to do your thesis, like, two semesters consecutively instead of have, like, a summer in between, like, from spring semester to then summer and then fall. Like, you want to do fall semester and spring semester for your thesis. Mm-hmm. So that my thesis was in studio, and I got to create a really cool body of work and write this very long, very long honors thesis that was, like, I don't know, 100 pages or something like that. And then... Um, my last semester, which was December, that's when I spent with Camille. The whole semester I spent in classes with Camille. I think there was like one other class because I finished out all my studio classes and I did my website. Um, like I really built that out and got to learn a lot of WordPress stuff. And yeah, so I guess I have a lot of like different mediums that I like play with, but studio art is where my heart's at. <laughs> cool. And because you were able to kind of self-design some of your program, is that why you got to experiment with things like building your own website and kind of more digital art and those things? Or is that baked into the BFA program already? Um, So I actually, so I didn't, I looked at the self-design program, but I didn't do the self-design one at oh, all. Okay. I actually literally, I I just like fit all of the classes like into my schedule from you know like all, over over all the semesters like I was like okay I'm declaring studio art major because the other thing is is um I don't know if it's changed but Moravian doesn't allow you to like double major in art that's the that's the issue mm-hmm. I couldn't do a double major like in my in the art department and the self-designed major almost would have been like more limiting because then I would have had to like squeeze in all these different things that I wanted to like take into like one track, you know what I mean? It's into like last numbers. So I I declared as a studio art uh, major, but then like as I was designing my schedule, I'd mm-hmm. be like, all right, I'm gonna take these, you know, because there was there's a little bit of overlap. Like intro to graphic design is one of the things that um, you can use as a requirement for the BFA in studio art. I mean, there is a little the BFA versus the BA lets you explore a little bit more materials. Um, it's like a little bit more of, I guess, an expansive than just the BA. So it does, I guess, let you explore things a little bit more than it would a BA, but not to the extent of just doing the self-designed because then you have to like think out like, it's been a minute, so I can't necessarily like pinpoint all the the course (laughs) titles, even though I would like stare at them for so long. Um, yeah, like the beginning of them is kind of similar. And then to a certain point, then that's when it really like starts to be vastly different from the studio art. But, sure. like, just taking one or two classes isn't going to really get me, like, the skills I wanted. Like, if I just took publication design or if I just took intro to typography, it'd be like, okay, cool, I took typography. And maybe if I also took, like, intro to graphic design, I got a feel for the programs, but I wouldn't really get, like, far into, like, InDesign or, Sure, you, know, you wouldn't get, like, WordPress. as much of an in-depth look as you as you wanted. Yeah, so I was, like... I think I can make this work, and if at some point down the line I'm like, I, you know, I, I can't fit these anymore, then I won't do it. But I, I just made sure to, like, not limit myself and, I mean, don't burn yourself out either, but I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do both, and that's what I did. I was basically like, just because you can't double major in this department, I'm, like, I want to do what I want to do, and this is what I want to walk away with my degree feeling accomplished in, so. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's good advice. I mean, obviously, like, don't burn yourself out, but also taking advantage of what opportunities are available to mm-hmm. you is uh, good Good college student advice, I think. Because <laughs> yeah. college is expensive. You want to get your money's worth. <laughs> yeah, that that's the other aspect of it is, like, it, I don't know, it's sort of like the frustration from, like, dealing with, like, an institution. Um, sure. And, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, you're sort of like, all right, well, you know, the colleges, like, marketing themselves to me and, like, you know, then there's the whole argument of, like, do you even need to go to college to to, to be an artist? So it's, like, a never-ending spiral, but that is a very fair point. It's also, 
yeah, it's just frustrating that like institutions, it seems like should be a place where you can walk away with like more knowledge, but they try to like limit you and it's not fair, you know, like accessibility. I think that's a good point. I think that I'm I'm curious how that relates to your artwork. Like, do you feel that there were things you were really able to expand upon in your studio program or do you feel like you... Uh, lost some create some aspect of creative practice by having to like do it in a class format. It's funny because I really like assemblage artwork, um, and not that all of your artwork fits into that category. But um, I'm always curious when people make like non traditional fine art, how they feel about um, like time spent in the studio. Like, yeah, what, what are the skills that you kind of pick and pull from when you're creating other types of art that you were forced to learn in this more like structured setting, if you will. Sure. So I guess kind of down to like, I don't know, like the fundamental like principles of art where like you're thinking about like composition and like, um, I don't know, even if it's something as simple as like, okay, like if think back to crits, like you're this person created like a diagonal with how they arrange things or I don't know. So things like that, that maybe I wouldn't have like been thinking about in an intentional way. Like mm-hmm. I think that my classes have helped me be, be more intentional. Um, I mean, I think other life experiences too have helped me be more intentional over time, but like, but yeah, so that's one thing, like fundamental kind of like formal principles of art, like composition and color, color theory. Like I, this isn't related. Well, it could be, it, could, it all could be related, but uh, like color and painting, like I really genuinely learned how to paint in school mm-hmm. um, with oils, especially like I had done things with acrylics and I kind of was more of a drawer, I guess. Um, but then I learned how to paint in, in school and that was really great. And then what I sort of learned was I didn't really, not that I didn't like painting on a 2D canvas, but I didn't only like to paint on a 2D canvas. And mm-hmm. then I realized like, how or what are what are ways that I can incorporate other materials into my artwork and like why so like uh you know like taking art history classes is helpful for this but like seeing other artists work and like learning about like why did this artist why did this artist use this color for example like is the color symbolizing something is it not symbolizing something like why did they put this element in this part of the composition why did they paint on wood versus uh, I don't know, why did they paint on wood versus masonite versus panel versus canvas? Like, is there a reason for that? Like, thinking about my materials um, is something that I didn't always, like, think about at the beginning. But then, like, from going through all my classes and then getting to the studio part of it where I'm sort of, like, now calling, like, all the shots and, like, nobody's really there, like, over my shoulder to be like, sure, hey. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just ultimately learned that I didn't really like to limit myself into like a flat 2D canvas and like only on ca- literally canvas. Um, I like to go out and incorporate things from the world, whether it's literally <laughs> through material or like from an experience and like what do those materials hold and what do they convey conceptually. I think learning about conceptual art was also really important, um, you know, going through my classes and one thing that I would always thank my professors uh, for is, like, forcing us to, like, build our list of, like, artist references and seeing art and just trying to, like, even just researching, you know, like, just seeing, like, what's out there doesn't mean you have to, like, be that, like, reference, but it's it's just very helpful to mm-hmm. look at these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to kind of jump into talking about your artwork because the pieces that you shared, some of, one of them is a few years old and then a couple of them are like really recent. So um, the one I was really drawn to was this piece salute um, with the broken VHS tape. Um, This is fantastic. I was hoping maybe you could um, describe a little bit like material wise, what we're looking at here. Sure. So this piece is um, it's on polymer, like a, a polymer sheet, which is a semi-transparent material. Uh, fairly transparent and then there's ink on it as well as a broken VHS tape and basically I um, it's like when you're looking at it on the sheet of polymer it says 
as long as you have your health. But it's a little bit hard to read because the VHS tape, which is broken, it's smashed up, um, is kind of like sitting on top of some of the words. So it's obscuring part of what you're reading. And then you have uh, the tape from the cassette snaking around Mm -hmm. the composition as well. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different things going on, I guess. Just thinking, like, what do I want to start with? Um, So I'll start with the VHS tape and which VHS (laughs) tape it is. So it's the Godfather Part 2, which, interestingly enough, the Godfather is, like, if not the all-time favorite, it's one of my my mother's all-time favorite movies. Um, And... Yeah, it's so that's that's a that's an important fact, <laughs> um, and I guess to give a little bit of background on my family life, uh, so my mom, my mother's side of the family is Italian, and my my mom, my grandparents, my great grandparents um, came to America from Italy, and then. Yeah, I have a relatively small family, so there's me, my mom, my aunt, and my uncle and my grandparents is sort of like who that's, I've interacted with. That's the with. family unit. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the unit. And um don't really I don't really uh keep in touch too much with my dad's side of the family or my dad, but that's a whole another thing. Um but I guess this idea of like broken like families is something that I'm always kind of like thinking about cuz it's related to like my identity, but in any case, um, so that's something I was thinking about and uh, with, like, the actual choice of the tape. And then the text that I wrote, which I literally, like, scrawled on with mm-hmm. my finger. And then I realized, like, why am I not wearing gloves doing this? That's <laughs> why I go to work the next day with, like, you know, stained, like, <laughs> black nails that I definitely scrubbed, but it doesn't look like I did. Um, anyways, things that you learn. Like, I'm going to start wearing gloves. Um, it's all part of the process. It's yeah, part of the process. Exactly. I, that's, it's, it's exactly, it's part of the process. Like, the messiness, the not messiness, like, the very, like, refined things, throwing things, smashing things. So, um, also, that's a good point. Uh, the process of, like, smashing the videotape mm. has been very much sort of like an outlet like it's been very fun to smash these vhs tapes which they're actually like harder to break than you would think and i feel (laughs) like that's kind of important conceptually and like one of these things that you learn with like these material explorations but it's one of it's kind of like a hidden gem of of all of this because (laughs) i guess the kind of a theme that i would say if i was to sum it up is i'm thinking about generational patterns um which when I did my thesis, I was thinking a lot about like patterns in general and like patterns in everyday life and like patterns in the way you think and just perspective and, and those kinds of ideas. So sort of like this idea of shifting perspective is something that I'm always fascinated with. And um, yeah, that kind of goes back to like my thesis. So with this, there's the aspect, almost the performative aspect, but no one's like watching me do it. But I do have this interest in performance art that I'm that's like kind of been budding and I'm would like to explore, but I don't know like what I want to necessarily do with it. But um, yeah, so that's like a sort of an outlet and just kind of like bottling up like different emotions that are <laughs> either related to like family or f- family tradition or just kind of like as simple as like any perspective that you know i mean at moravian i was in the what's it called the i think it's the tri alpha first generation like the first person in your in your family to like graduate college and it's kind of like oh like they talk about like breaking the being the one in your family to like you know break certain not literally like just with college but you know sure, like just yeah. be the one to break certain like stereotypes and things like that. So I was sort of thinking about that, mm-hmm. um, and then the text that I like scrawled on. I guess I I was feeling very scrawly and kind of like, uh, what's the word? Just like raw and with my emotions. So it says as long as you have your health, um, which is interesting because. It's kind of it's a literal quote like from my childhood and from growing up that I've like heard being tossed around to like various degrees of like, you know, in various different contexts and conversations Mm -hmm. like this idea of like 
okay, at the end of the day, like, as long as you have your health and if you're in good health, like, that's what's the most important thing. But then, meanwhile, like, you know, everyone's fighting with each other or, like, (laughs) there's a lot of drama happening or, like, you know, certain things that just feel like, why can't we all just get along? You know, like, those (laughs) kinds of moments. Um, And then, I mean, there's a lot of moments in The Godfather that are, like, on a very extreme scale, but, like, also in, in their conversations and, like, the character development and just a lot of moments. I think anybody that's seen The Godfather, like, knows The Godfather um, can kind of maybe understand what I'm thinking of or uh, has, like, that, like, North Jersey fam- Italian family dynamic going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Yeah, there's just, like, too much arguing for comfort sometimes. So, yeah, (laughs) just thinking about, like, those kinds of things. And and then the the title of it, uh, I always think of my grandpa, like, saying it at first. But, like, when you sneeze and say, you know, like, when you sneeze and you say, God bless you, Mm. um, which I know isn't, like, a thing that everybody does. But that's, that's, like, a thing that I always heard growing up, too. And, like, in, in... Italian it's like salute and it's like it's like bless you salute and so it's but it's interesting because that is like that gesture even is like you know it's like bless you like it's all kind of ties into that like health theme but yeah just kind of thinking about like literally breaking down generational like patterns and Mm. finding my own identity too like just as myself and like it's definitely hard like I don't know. I was going through a lot of, um, like, my mom and I are, like, best friends, but we also get into our arguments. So going through a lot of that directly influences my artwork and, like, my everyday life and relationships, you know, the relationships that I have with, whether it's a conversation I had with somebody on the side of the street in the store or, like, in, you know, if I was standing in line and something happened, that might inspire, like, a painting I make later. Or if I went to a concert, that might inspire a painting I make later. But... Mm. yeah this is like kind of about like family relationships and and then from there it's kind of like grown into it started like thinking about okay like what pieces of pop culture from my childhood or elements of like pop culture or anything like that from my childhood have I like thought about and had a had a certain experience with that maybe is um negative even and that maybe I want to change my relationship with it for example one of the next pieces is going to be um, utilizing Star Wars VHS tapes, mm. um, which is funny because my dad is a very, very avid Star Wars fan, like very avid Star Wars fan <laughs> to the point where like I then kind of was like, you know, just from my experiences growing up and like having negative connotations, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to watch Star Wars. <laughs> like I don't want to have a good relationship with Star Wars. And sure. so, but I always was, you know, like I could find my own voice too, but it took me forever to like actually like even something as simple as that. So now I found some Star Wars VHS tapes and I've literally like been sitting down watching Star Wars for like the first time, like, in the past, like, two months, like, literally, I've, I remember now that I've definitely seen them, like, as a very young kid, but I didn't know mm. what's going on or remember quotes or anything like that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, it's actually a pretty good movie, and <laughs> just seeing, like, different moments that are, like, sparking things in my brain about growing up and, like, yeah, it's really about, like, finding your own voice, and maybe maybe somebody else had a negative experience with it, but you don't have to, like literally like create everything like build everything up in that light like you can have Mm. your own relationship with with things and I think that that's an important kind of like life lesson that I've learned in a lot of areas like I can make my own decisions and maybe it's okay that somebody really important to me doesn't agree with it and I'm saying like I'm gonna do this you know that's very coming of age right like I think uh I immediately, upon looking at this piece, I was very drawn to it, mostly because it came off as very angry. Um, And I really like this concept of um, performance art without conceptual performance art without the performance. Right. Where like I looking at it, I start to imagine and I know what you had to do to get a VHS tape to look this way. Right. Like my brother's stepped on VHS tapes in the driveway just out of pure spite because that's because my sister wanted to watch Barbie the Nutcracker for the thousandth time or whatever. (laughs) But um, it's 
really interesting, like looking at someone's work and picturing process and picturing like exactly how something is made. Not to say that you don't get that with a painting because you see brush strokes and you see patterns and you see like this very humanistic element to it. But sure. this piece in particular is even saying like you did it with no gloves on, like you can see fingerprints <laughs> and smears and all of this energy that goes into something that's stationary. So I, I really like it quite a lot. And I, I like the message and the theme behind it. Theme is like, as long as you have your health, but we've just been through years of health crisis related trauma yes. that yes. Um, now we all have to deal with the consequences of positive or negative. Mm -hmm. Um, this theme of like, as long as you have your health, uh, the emotional part, the traumatic part, the rest of it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. It's like really trying to like actually hold. It's like, hey, guys, like we're saying it, but like, can we hold true to it? Sure, like yeah. actually, you know, like not burn ourselves out for the 17th time. Yeah. <laughs> Did you thrift this Godfather VHS tape? I, I did. Very I, good. You know what? Actually, I think the Godfather tape may have been, like, I'm sure at some point I probably would have been like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to smash up this tape, like, in another store. But, like, that tape, the specifically the Godfather one, I think I bought during the period of time while I was in school working on my thesis, and I didn't mm. use it. It was, like, I had it in my studio. I was like, all right, cool, because I do that a lot where I'll get, materials and maybe I won't even know I'm going to use it right now and I'm like I want that though because I I just know it might like spark something later or if it's like a book like I love getting like thrifted like like I have at home like thrifted like war like photographs and then like life magazine mm -hmm. like old life magazine issues and like all kinds of things or one one thing is like DC comic um I forgot what the title of it, but it's basically a, a DC comic on teen love. And I'm like, oh, gosh, what? like, what is this? Like, I need it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all the tapes I've been thrifting. I know my grandma has some and I might if I don't want to, like, save them and get a VHS tape to use them. I'm going to try to smash those. <laughs> too. <laughs> I like the conversations that I've had with with the couple of people that have seen it where one person was like, I told them, like, they were like, oh, you know, what's the, which tape is this? They wanted to know, like, what the tape was. And I was like, it's the Godfather part two. It's, like, one of my mom's favorite movies. And they were like, oh, so, like, how would your mom feel about this? And oh. I was like, <laughs> it's interesting because, like, I just was genuinely interested. Like, I was like, wow, like, you don't want to know why I smashed it. <laughs> like, you just yeah. want to know, like, why she's that bad. That person's <laughs> very concerned with their generational patterns in their family. What would mom think yes. of Which me is interesting. smashing this tape? It is. I, it shows that, like, they read that. They read, like, the anger in your piece. And you're saying, this is mom's favorite movie. And I shredded the shit out of it. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> like mom would be mad, right? But Hulk smashed. Mm. No, like, I sentimental. Love, <laughs> no, I like I like hearing though that someone had a reaction to it, right? Like a similar, a similar and different reaction. <laughs> <laughs> but I was curious. Um, now look, looking at it more, uh, you didn't include the like the front of the VHS tape would traditionally have the title on it. And you didn't include that, right? Um, I think it's like, so the the uh, image, just thinking back to like the sticker, I think if you go up real close, it might literally say like, I think, I don't know, like, you know, if this changed during production of like VHS tapes and like how they branded the titles. But I think on like most of the ones that I've had, it says the title like in a line on the, like, so if you have the tape and, like, that sticker on it, it's, like, mm, on Like, there, on the side. But it's kind of hard. You really have to, like, get close and, like, really look. And it might not even be on it by the time you get... Or, like, some of them had a sticker on the side of it, like, on sure. the narrow side of it. Yeah. Um. So I didn't, like... I didn't specifically, like, remove it or anything. I think that one's on it, but it's it's very hard to, like, mm. catch. It's not obvious at all. Um. But I know... Like, one of the other ones I started smashing, the sticker, like, sort of started then peeling, like, all the way off. And I was, like... Do I want to, like, rip this up? Do I want to, like, how do I want to deal with this? Like, which is an interesting part of the process. Like, sure. 
Yeah, and all then, these alternate materials. <laughs> yeah, and then I, like, have, like, a weird jar somewhere with, like, literal microscopic pieces of, like, leftovers <laughs> that are, like, I'll find in a year, like, what is this? And it'll be, like, the corner of that sticker. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was I was curious about studio space and, like, organizing and collecting alternate, um, <laughs> like, organizing, collecting alternate materials and how that looks and what you do with them and where do they go and yeah so, <laughs> how many rubbermaid bins do you own <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so i actually it's really funny because i've like now that i've like explored what the inside of a vhs tape looks like the tape is like on a sort of like a spool mm-hmm. um but like very small like like flattened version of a spool versus like long and um not that anybody that's listening, can see my aggressive hand gestures. Um, <laughs> but I was like, it would be kind of cool to like put nails like in a wall, like eventually and have like all of the, like as I collect them, like just kind of hang them on. And then I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, because once you take the tape out, there's no way of knowing like which tape it came to, which I don't have to tell anybody like which tape came from anything and if right. it really did it's, but it's... I need to know these things <laughs> <laughs> um so like I think uh I'm I'm like starting to label them I think I don't think I'm gonna go as far as like doing a label maker but I'm probably gonna actually that's that's a really good question because maybe I will do a label maker or at least stick a piece of paper on it and tape it because if I just write on it and then I want to use it for some reason mm. and I have scrawled on what it is <laughs> gonna be upset about at myself um but yeah I basically like the other day I was actually putting some things on a shelf um and just for background so I I travel back and forth, but I currently have a studio space in Bushwick, um, New York, and I have some shelving there. So I took like my VHS tapes and I like put them on the shelves and I um, like made it real nice. And I was sort of like, okay, this shelf has like the tapes and like these items and some miscellaneous found objects. Like I have like a broken transistor radio that I that it was smashed up and I well not smashed up, but it's like dented. Hmm. I have that in there and like I also like to get some textiles um, sometimes from, like, thrift shops. So I'll have, like, at home I have, like, a three-tiered kind of shelving. Okay, so all the fast fashion people might hate me. And I, like, because I don't know if I don't know if I should publicly admit to shopping at Marshalls and TJ Maxx. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's so many things out there that I don't know enough about. And I just, like, I want to be more conscientious about things. But it's hard to be conscientious about everything. So I got, like, these, like, kids' bedroom. Like, it's like a unit of, a vertical unit of three kind of, like, buckets. And it's really great because I have, like, one of them is just all fabric that I've thrifted. Mm. And then the other one, probably I'm actually going to do some reorganizing, but I have all this plastic, like, anything that has a cellophane wrapper on it, I've been, like, hoarding, like, (laughs) nobody's business. So I have, like, a rack in my studio with plants on it because I love plants. And on top, it's, like, you're like, oh, it's a scenic jungle. And then you look up and it's like a box and like a mountain of plastic, just tra- like trash pretty much. Like everybody would consider it trash. And I'm like, I'm going to use this this clear stuff because I'm kind of thinking about that material a lot right now. And so like there's kind of piles of just random materials sort of around that don't have a home. But there's also like a method to the madness. There's a little bit of like bucketing going on. Um, and shelves. I'm trying to do the vertical like thing, <laughs> save space. <laughs> um, but also like, usually I always have at least at least one surface that's completely chaotic. And like, unless I'm starting a new painting, like every once in a while I have to like, all right, like really rein it in and just kind of like do a quick tidy. But even then, to me, like I'm like, okay, this is feeling tidy because I I have to do that every once in a while. But yeah. like, if somebody else came in, they'd be like. Like, what did it look like before? And I'm like, listen, this is like, but if everything was like blank walls, I would not be like, I would be kind of annoyed because I'd be like, wow, it feels like I'm not doing anything, you know? Like, I'd be like... Blank wall, blank canvas, blank this. (laughs) Yeah, like, I like that there's like a a paintbrush stuck to the wall. (laughs) Like, um, I like having that sort of like up and go energy Hmm. present. (laughs) Totally. So, Melissa, on top of uh, all of your art making, you are also 
um, an arts administrator. Ooh. <laughs> um, I am. <laughs> is that I'm I'm curious because I think some people uh, seek out to work in that kind of position or they f- uh, fall into it. So I'm really curious, like how your journey from. We have this concept that comes up in the show all the time, like your day job, quote, quote, or like, sure. yeah, no. or like how you, <laughs> how you want to describe it. Um, but I'm curious, like your point from deciding like, ah, this is maybe something I want to take on in addition to my art making. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess a little bit of background. Um, so I work at the Allentown Art Museum and I'm the marketing and social media coordinator, which is awesome. I started at the museum as an intern. Um, I did two internships, actually, um, and they were both in the development department, although I did get to, while I was an intern, I did get to explore a little bit of, like, the curatorial sides because I was always, they couldn't, they can't really keep me out. I always, like, (laughs) running down, I'm like, hey, can I ask you this question? (laughs) Um, But in any case, uh, yeah, that's kind of a fun a fun fact. So, and then basically I spent time working there as um, social media and marketing like assistant. So I was basically doing assistant stuff and uh, social media stuff, um, all kinds of things as an assistant. But then a position came up and I was able to apply for a full-time position and I got it. So now I'm there. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've, I started at the museum in 2021 as an intern Time's like flying by. We're now <laughs> two oh two three. <laughs> I'm always curious because I think having speaking from my own personal experience, having a position in an arts organization mm-hmm. um, while also trying to maintain creative practice is something I find really difficult. Right. So whenever I talk to people that I find in similar situations, I'm always really curious. Like you're working 40 hours a week at a full-time job that requires a lot of creativity. Yeah. So how do you feel like that impacts um, like your personal, your personal creative endeavors? Like you said, the day job thing definitely is like a big part of it. Like obviously have to have like some way to support all the chaotic art making happening. Um, (laughs) But I've, I've, I've always tried to like, tried to like, I mean, I'm very lucky to have been able to have these opportunities, like, happen because I know that not everybody can sort of, like, keep their job related to, like, art and related to, like, their practice, like, if they have a studio practice. But also, like, sometimes people don't want that at all, like, want it to be not creative Um, because, like, with my job, like, working with social media and doing, like, some of the graphic design for some of the marketing materials and creating the content for the social media, like... It is a lot of creativity on top of, like, just administrative stuff. Mm -hmm. So then, like, just in general with, like, doing so many things, like, burnout is always an obstacle. So, yeah, the 40-hour-a-week thing is – it's a lot. It's a lot. Like, it's a commitment, and Mm -hmm. you have to really find, like, again, that idea of intentionality and, like, being intentional about your time. But also sometimes you literally have to be, like – I need to go lay down like I need to go lay down and (laughs) lay down because sometimes you don't do that. And then you're literally like sick and you're like, why didn't I just give myself a break? (laughs) Um, So I definitely think it's a balance of uh, finding rest and like being. Yeah. Um, A lot of the time it's two like totally opposing types Mm -hmm. of creative energy that you have to expel. But 100 percent. It's still time management wise it takes up time and it is still a, a source of en- or a, uh not a source of energy uh, a th- something like training that, <laughs> an, an expulsion outlet. of energy yes <laughs> an output thank you yes. and uh like a yeah i'm thinking of electric now like electricity and i'm like trying to find yeah. the like <laughs> metaphorical word that that's like you know, your battery drain, drain, ba- uh, why am I doing this? Battery <laughs> draining. Okay. Like, like thinking all the words, walking, um, thesaurus, is that the right? I, don't, I can't. Well, I think, I think that, um, it's hard when it's something you enjoy. Like I, I also feel very fortunate to work in an organization that aligns with my interests, but, right. um, 
sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm talking art all day. I'm talking about this, talking about that. I get home. And I'm like, I don't want to make anything. Yeah, no, I can't th- make anything. <laughs> that is a, yeah, it's like, you're like, I don't want to, I guess the one benefit that I have and this sort of like, okay, so the digital side of social media, like social media is a great tool and it's, it's a great tool for artists. It's a great tool like for, for, for everyone intentionally again, but social media is definitely a, a toxic space. And so um, to answer your question, like with being on doing all these creative things again, that's, that's actually like very true. Like it's for an, an organization, like that I'm passionate about because it's, it's the arts. And so like, also like, I don't want to like, how can I put this? Like, it's something that matters a lot to me and like the work that I'm doing, it's like, it's, it's in my realm of like things that I care very much about, if that makes sense. Hmm. So it's also like, too, like you, you want to like do a good job at everything all the time and you want to like <laughs> yeah. go and make like work that's like cool, but not everything you make is going to like be great. But uh, the one thing that I find personally is that um, I like that my studio practice is not very digital like I do Mm, sometimes do certain things that are digital like for example um I mean this doesn't really count as digital like this is more hands-on but like I'm incorporating a little bit of more tools that I guess could be seen as digital like uh projectors one thing but like for example I'll go sometimes I'll go into photoshop and I'll create like a quick kind of like template or like I've been working a bit with text um more so I'll like maybe go into Photoshop, type something out the way I want and then create something that I want to like project to get like a certain font or something like in, in a in a painting, for example. Mm-hmm. So like that I may be using technology in a sense, but like I really love that my practice is not like rooted in sitting at a desk and going on the computer or like going on my phone because some of a couple of pieces, a couple of paintings that I conceptually was thinking about like social media and how social media is like sort of like it's the key to get to everything but it also can be really confining because I'm definitely guilty of literally sitting on my phone for hours like (laughs) just scrolling on social media like catching up on stuff that I didn't get to catch up on you know on the the work social media Mm -hmm. and then it's draining too because like you want to promote yourself too or like post at least once every once in a while that you're like making things and that's like so hard to keep up with (laughs) honestly but yeah, I just love that I have that sort of like more tactile like outlet mm-hmm. and I can really like go play with materials and because it, it just gets a lot like being in front of a screen all the time. And so then I started thinking about like vertical like canvases and scrolling and uh, like the scrolling motion is so kind of like narrow and vertical. And mm-hmm. I started to think like how can I kind of put that in a canvas and like convey the like tension that's so funny like, you say idea that. i'm thinking about <laughs> it's so funny you say that because i was at michael's like a couple weeks ago michael's. and i saw these canvases that were like i don't remember exactly what it said on the tag but it was like social media sized or like something like that where like it's the perfect ratio that if you take a photo of it, it fits. Oh my as gosh, an really? Instagram picture. No, that's interesting because I was looking at you know like how when you're uploading like pictures to social media mm-hmm. and it's like the the sixteen to nine ratio and then right, like the, yeah. the you know like all the different um, the different ones the vertical square the horizontal square mm-hmm. and like so I haven't done any I haven't I don't really for some reason I'm like I don't want to do any horizontal maybe maybe one day but I've been <laughs> I've been literally like thinking like all right if I wanted to do like this picture on my phone what's like the pixel um the pixel dimensions so that I can like translate that to then like the canvas size Mm -hmm. and yeah I've been playing around with that but that's like really I have not seen that at all and that like if I saw that walking by I would have stopped me and I would have been like I need to just to just (laughs) bring one for proof that this happened (laughs) I know I like I stood there for like a full minute and was like hmm I don't know how to feel about this because one, like (laughs) the ease of creating something that you can share and like blah, 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 whatever. But also like, what the hell? Like, yeah, like it was like, it was just the most specifically like outright capitalist nonsense that I was was just like, oh my God. Like, I don't know. It really, I have not stopped thinking about it and it's been 
I think I said I went to Michael's a few days ago. This is probably like three months ago. Mm -hmm. So, oh my, no, I love it. I do that all the time. Like literally yesterday, yesterday of like last year, or yeah. yesterday of today. Right. This but <laughs> no, that's so funny. And that's so off topic. But um, yeah, that's really, it's interesting. I think it's good to have though that dichotomy of like, Pract art making practice that doesn't directly mm -hmm. uh, align with what you have to do every day to make your living, which yeah. is good. So in in this kind of like arts administrator role, is this something that you found you really enjoy? Like, do you think you'd want to continue? Not even specifically where you work now, but just in in the future. Like, do you enjoy kind of working in that? field that's so adjacent to what you do or do you think it's uh, a, a hindrance on your creative practice I should, I'll <laughs> phrase it that way <laughs> no um no I definitely don't think it's a hin a hindrance but um but yeah no I I I'm happy to be like involved in an organization that is aligned with the arts because like I said I've sort of like <laughs> if I ever was to like complain about it I'd be like why are you complaining like you literally want like you like I I feel like throughout all of my experiences, I've, like, tried really hard to, like, make them sort of, like, have to do with art. Like, not, ma you know, mm. you can't control everything, but I've sort of, like, sought out opportunities or experiences that are, like, in either in that, like, community literally as, like, an arts organization or just, like, has, like, a creative, you know, feel to it. I mean, I also have, like, my background in design, so, like, design... I mean, I do design at my job now, but there's other, like we're, we're talking about, there's other administrative things that I do. So I guess I'm, now I'm thinking about like other jobs too, like designer <laughs> jobs. And like, there, I mean, there's so many like creative jobs, but I guess sure. we're just talking about like <laughs> arts administration. No, I do enjoy it because I also like working with people that care about arts. I mean, I guess you can like be at an organization that's still like corporate feels and it's but, like, in my experience where I work now, like, at the museum, everybody genuinely does care about artwork, mm. the artwork and, like, creativity in some aspect. I mean, there's also a lot of, like, my coworkers do art themselves, like, yeah. which is really cool. I'm still learning about, like, you know, who has this, like, hobby or, or what have you. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, role in arts administration. <laughs> Ultimately, yes, I do enjoy uh, working in arts administration. And I definitely think it would be something that I would like to continue I just, like I say, said before, I always try to, like, not, because, like, you never know, like, in terms of, like, boundaries and stuff. Like, I like I always say you should try, like, all kinds of things. And to the other side of that is I think that jobs that aren't art-related, because I've had a few of those, are still really important to, like, your art-making practices mm -hmm. as, as a... So that's why it's kind of hard to, like, sandwich everything, because then I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, here's all the, like pros of, of yes but then here's like not necessarily cons but like pros of what you could gain working at like another type sure. of place yeah like there's this artist aj romback uh aj romback and i discovered them through um the, the professor at moravian natessim and we sh they came and did a virtual lecture and um basically they were talking about how for the past 10 years or more than 10 years they've worked at a trader joe's mm. and it's like they have a, a painting practice where like they actively like sell their work and and stuff and they're like you know stereotypically i guess in a success like a stereotypical sense of like the word success like mm -hmm. they're successful artists and they were just talking about how it's almost been like nice to have that job where it's like it's their income but they don't necessarily have to go and like do art there like it's it was just interesting mm -hmm. to hear them talk about like how they actually enjoyed having like that type of job and even like the materials like they sometimes would bring like the paper bags and stuff and it's a total side tangent but yeah ultimately i i think <laughs> i'd stay in arts administration but i think yeah. that everything can have a benefit no i <laughs> i think that's a really good point i um so i I have to shout out to Lauren Beekner who offered a workshop at Lehigh University Art Galleries a couple weeks ago and she was talking about exactly that like she had started working a different part-time job right. while making art and I was thinking like yeah actually I made a lot more art when I was waitressing because it was done when I got home mm -hmm. like I didn't right. think about it when I got home I got home and 
hundred percent. It was all my time. Like not that I'm working outside of my hours now, but like I think about work a lot when I'm home, even when I try not to. Yeah. Just me because too. there's there's <laughs> it will be the same thing the next day. Like if I'm waitressing, it'll be different customers the next day and it won't right. I, nothing changes. But I thought she was making a really good point about how having like the mental space to think about art while you were working on something different Mm -hmm. that wasn't also like creativity or art related. Like, I don't know. I just, it, it seemed like such a good point to be made because I think we run into that a lot on this show where people say like, Oh, my day job where I do this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, it's, it's an important, it's a valuable part of your life. Like you got, you in this economy, you got to make a living somehow, however you can. And having like mental space to Mm -hmm. do that I think is really cool so I really like appreciated her saying that because I was like yeah yeah oh my god like that's so true (laughs) right yeah no 100% and it's 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 nice to like know that there's other artists and that feel that way too you Mm -hmm. know like it's I feel like there's so much pressure like that we put on ourselves too even to like you know to like you know, work in, like, just even if you don't work in arts, in an arts organization, it doesn't mean that you're not passionate. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. you don't have to be an artist working in a, in an art-related. Absolutely. Well, I, did, I didn't want to leave here without mentioning, um, you were mentioning as we were getting ready to sit down, how much you like to make time and have time and space to, like, check out other artwork. Um so is there stuff in the area? I know you said you have a studio in New York. Is there stuff that you're like really excited about or stuff coming up or stuff that you've seen recently that you really enjoy? Sure. Um, the one of the um, shows that I was really excited about, and this wasn't like literally last month, but it was like earlier in the fall. And this was a, a New York show. But one of the artists that I sort of discovered, um, I guess, like in the past year is an artist named Claudia Betron. And she's um, so... She's a painter, but um, I mean, I believe she's, or I don't know if she identifies it as interdisciplinary, but she's, I would consider her interdisciplinary. She did um, this one like film, I believe, uh, like a reproduction of the Titanic, which I really want to watch it at some point. I haven't gotten to watch it, but I've read a lot about it. <laughs> and she made these paintings. Um, I could be pronouncing this word uh wrong, but the name of the show was Stereotypes, and this wasn't the... Um, this wasn't the show that I got to see. I was trying to go see it. But the show that I went to to see of hers was like right after this one. Um, but Stereotypes is a show where she did a collection of works and they focus on uh, Britney Spears. But then there was also, um, I believe there was like another painting with like an animal uh, like pacing, swimming like a penguin um, or another animal. And like there was this conceptual idea behind like what, the word stereotypes meant and like mm-hmm. how it related to pacing and like how animals and humans like use pacing as a deal as a way of dealing with stress. Um, and so as a side parallel to that, this other series that she's created uh, are like these paintings of Britney Spears. And then she's created like animated paintings where she'll like not 100% sure if she paints over the same. I think she literally will paint the on the canvas and then she'll like paint the next scene right over that and then the next scene right over that like it's almost like stop motion painting but like on the same canvas if that makes Mm, sense that's really cool um there's another artist yui kugamiya and we had a video or installation of hers at the museum but it was like a stop motion almost felt like claymation because of the oil paint and it was like an animated oil paint video it was very cool. cool But in any case, I went to see this show by Claudia Batron. I forget the name of it now off the top of my head. It may have been, it may have been like white. Sh- I don't. It was not white shoes, but it may have had white in the title because the concept was she uh, started taking pictures like in her travels on her phone um, of or sourcing them from social media. But I think mostly she's been taking pictures of them from what I read. I could be wrong. Of people that have like white shoes like either white sneakers or like you know any kind of shoe that's white like the white air force ones or what have you and um basically she was talking about how like white shoes tend to be a symbol of a couple of different things but like one was it could you kind of feel like you know built like confident and like built up it's like sort of can be associated with like 
they're nice shoes you know they're very uh, clean yeah. they're like pristine looking it's kind of like it's like a <laughs> i was just thinking that i was sitting here with my no. <laughs> like, very old white converse on i'm like you can see everything i've ever stepped in <laughs> like i can't afford to replace that <laughs> that that is me with like every time i get, I actually avoid getting i'm literally wearing the black air first ones because i avoid getting like white shoes because i destroy <laughs> them and make them dirty but it was just really interesting so she like created these like wood cutouts of um like drawings of these of people that she's seen and they were all about like this like like so they were actually the eight si- inches tall yeah, yeah and the sizing was the specific sizing of um like a so we'll have to ver- fact check this but a type of doll, like, I don't know if it was a Victorian doll or, like, what specific era type of doll, but she specifically wanted each piece to be this, the size to scale of, like, that doll. And, like, it was just such an interesting connection between, like, the white shoes and, like, the symbolism behind that and, like, her interpretation and, like, mm-hmm. how she's, like, seen these people, like, in her travels. Um, so that was, like, a really cool one, a really cool show that I've seen. Um and then, of course, there's the MoMA, which, like, I could talk for hours about. <laughs> but I've also, like, gone to, like, a handful of shows around Lehigh Valley. And I want to, like, there's actually a really cool installation at uh, just random fact at, did you go to the pan opening the other day of the Jonathan Latian? It's, like, this really cool oh. light. Like, it was, it looked like they turned all the lights off in the gallery and had a giant chandelier. And it's oh, called, I like, the end of the world. I saw pictures of it on Instagram. Yeah, and I didn't get where, to go see it. Where is that again? It's right down the street in, uh, on South Campus at Moravian in the Payne Gallery. Oh, okay, cool. Um, one show that I did get to go to um, in Payne Gallery was, so are you familiar with Manifold Global? Mm-hmm. So they had their first in-person show, and it was oh, in Payne cool. Gallery, and that was a really, really great exhibition because it was artists from the Lehigh Valley, but also from New York, mm-hmm. um, a mix, and I think, I think, or maybe Philly. Um but that was a really, really great show that also they did uh, like a small workshop series. So like it was really cool to like get to incorporate. I didn't get to go to them, but uh, to sort of like see how they were incorporating these artist processes into like the program that they were doing. But also uh, there was a painter, there was a found object person, um, artist, there was a <laughs> there. This was really cool. There was a piece in the middle of the gallery that was, um, and I can send you the names of these artists, but there was a piece <laughs> in the middle of the gallery that was, like, made out of materials from, like, their family members' house or home that got destroyed. Mm. And they, like, collected all the materials and made, like, a big sculpture and talked about, like, the symbolic, the symbolism behind that and, like, what that meant to them. That was really cool. I think there was a photographer and another painter it was a really really cool show but manifold has a a pretty cool group of artists um that i've like like heather drazen is one off the top of my head that i can remember and she had work in that show and i've discovered her through um manifold and Mm. i really like their work um but yeah so that was that's a lehigh it's a lehigh valley show (laughs) and a new york show i just wanted to at least like mention a lehigh valley show thank you so much that sounds cool. I'll definitely have to check that out. And I've only been to the Pain Gallery once or twice, but I it's like a really cool little space. So. Yeah, it's definitely it's very unique too with like that that balcony that they have yeah, in there in the basement. Absolutely. Very cool. <laughs> very good. Well, Melissa, if people would like to see more of your work, is there anywhere they can find it? Yes. So, um, of course, with all the social media talk, you can find me on the <laughs> Instagram, uh, which is at Art by Melzi. Um, should I spell that? Yes, please. That's awesome. <laughs> so that is at sign and then A R T B Y M as in Melissa E L S I E. And then my website is um, my full name. So it's melissarstrom.com. And that is M E L I S S A R S T R O M.com. Very good. And I wanted to go ahead and just share our opportunity of the week, um, which has to do with you. <laughs> it's uh, a little <laughs> bit extending outside the Lehigh Valley. I guess, I don't know, is Hatboro in the Lehigh Valley? <laughs> I can never tell like what the, the geographic 
geographic parameters of our area are, but um, Gold Door Gallery has uh, their Heart of Gold charity show coming up um, February 11th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. at 219 North York Road in Hatboro, Pennsylvania. How did you end up with a piece in there and what's it all about? Sure. So um, it's a really cool uh, charity show raising. This is the first annual um, charity show that they're doing, and it's raising money for the Pennsylvania Department of the Prevention of Cruelty of Animals. Um, animals are a huge... Animals are just really important to me, so um, it's a show that I'm really grateful to be a part of, but basically I saw I saw them on Instagram. I follow a lot of tattoo artists, and this was actually like how I found out about... Um, this gallery because one of my favorite tattoo artists had a like a painting um in it which i thought was really cool to see like a gallery showcasing like paintings and like you know not tattoo uh related artwork by tattoo artists it's really cool to like see that side of uh, their work so i saw that they had an open call for this charity show um and i submitted their interest form and i heard back positive news and basically the cool <laughs> thing about it is that everybody uh, gets a heart-shaped canvas and then um to to cr- you know to do whatever they want create a c- composition on but everybody gets the same like origin heart-shaped canvas and then on the february 11th the evening of the event they're going to be either sold or auctioned off for that charity awesome which is cool very <laughs> cool well definitely head over and check that out and donate some of your extra pocket money. <laughs> um, and I know you mentioned earlier that there's a donation, uh, like item donation. Aspect yeah, they're to not. It it's um, it's so the event is free. They're not asking for. Oh, um, wonderful. It's a free event, but they're just asking that if you can um, bring donations to for that organization. So basically like material like, you know, pet food or pet blankets, things like that supplies for the for the, the organization that they're donating the money to very good and once again that's at gold door gallery at 719 north york road in hatboro on february 11th from 7 to 9 30 p.m melissa thank you so much for joining us <laughs> thank you for having me it was so much fun <laughs> thanks for tuning in to the lehigh valley arts podcast a steel pixel original series don't forget to like the podcast leave us a review and follow us on both social media and streaming services at lehigh valley arts podcast mm-hmm.